Today on the Zabecast, week nine in the NFL where the Patriots' relentless winning continues unabated. The Saints take down the last of the unbeatens. We've got a special basement chat with Tony Bruno in suburban Philly. And if you thought high school varsity video game teams were a joke, well, they've gone one better down in Texas. Your essential sports talk day starter is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Monday, November 5th, 2018. Thank you for joining me. A huge Monday of stuff to talk about, and I will not get to all of it, so I'll try to get some more done as we move into Tuesday and Wednesday. And a very special, very rare chance I had to sit down with the godfather, as I call him, the godfather of sports radio, Tony Bruno. We talk Wing Bowl, sports radio, its evolution, the joke that is, radio ratings, how they work, and a whole lot more. But first, but first, but first, last Monday turned out to be my last show on Bob and Brian in the morning on 1029 The Hog in Milwaukee. This after 24 years. 24 years of doing this segment with these guys, and I have not spoken about it as of yet, and this will be my first comments, and they will be relatively brief, and I'll expand upon them further in the week here in this forum. But I just want to let everyone know how I'm feeling right now. And the answer is simple. Devastated. Absolutely devastated. This is one of the toughest things I've ever had to do professionally. I can say that getting fired, which I have done three times now, or had done to me, getting fired is way easier than quitting a job that you like and was going well. I mean, you just have no idea how gutted I've been. I mean, this has been three weeks of misery for me. It's been two weeks leading up to this decision to think, am I doing the right thing? Am I sure about this? And just trying to mull over in my head all the different, you know, parameters of this huge decision. And then this past week, since it it went down on on Monday afternoon and into Tuesday. Now, I'm not going to get into too much of the mechanics of it right now, but I just want to talk about sort of the levels of grief that I'm dealing with here. Number one is I lost something that I loved, which was doing that segment with those guys. And I had to walk away from it on my own. I would imagine, and I've never done it, and unfortunately I'm going to someday in the future have to do it, maybe, but I would imagine this is the same feeling you have when you have to put down your dog or a pet. It just must be gut-wrenching. If you don't think that I loved doing my daily segment with Bob and Brian, then you just you, you don't have ears. You didn't hear how I came to the mic every day. It was the funnest thing I did. And to walk away from this thing like I did when it was still as good as it's ever been and maybe the best it's ever been, which I believe it was, hurts beyond belief. And so I want to make that clear. It's almost like this thing, this segment with these guys, 
it, it, it was all like all three of our, it was like our dog, and we'd play with the dog every day for 35, 40 minutes in front of their many, many fans in Milwaukee and listeners. Number one morning show in Milwaukee. Dominant, these guys have been forever. And I've been with them for 24 years. And so we had this dog that, at the end of the day, even though it felt like all three of our dog, it essentially is my dog because if I decide I want to do something else or it's time for me to do something else or it's time for me to just end this for whatever reasons, it's my decision. Uh, It has to be. And so they know this, I think, but it, it doesn't make it hurt any less. And certainly for everyone that watched the dog frolic as we played with it every day are just, they were, they were mortified. They're like, what? How can this be? And yeah, it ended like the Sopranos. It was just boom, cut to black. Everything a week ago Monday seemed perfectly fine and happy, even though the Packers had, of course, thrown the game away against the Rams. And we took our turns killing McCarthy and killing Ty Montgomery. And yes, Ty Montgomery was eventually traded. Thank God for that. You know, it was like the Sopranos, the Tony and Carmela and the kids, they're in the booth in the restaurant, they're smiling, it looks like they're, everything is fine, next thing you know, bam. And everyone's like, what, what, what the, the hell was that? But like I said, this is how it usually ends in radio, it, it usually ends with just a boom, out of nowhere. And that's how it was with me when I got fired three times, fired in Charlotte, WFNZ Radio, I was uh, 1999, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, June of 99. I just came back from a vacation. <laughs> just came back from a short vacation with my wife and one-month-old daughter, Catherine, to find out that while I was on vacation, the general manager of the station had been talking to some people, or he got six emails you know, back when email was like, oh my God, eh, this guy's Zabin. I don't know if he's working in the morning. I just started a new morning show down there. One month in, boom. Came back. It's not working out. I'm like, what? <laughs> I have a one-month-old daughter. That was hard. Not as hard as this. Same thing when I got fired uh, the first time, or my contract technically not renewed. Fox Sports Radio thought everything was going well. Next thing you know, this guy, Don Martin, takes over, and he's like, Stephen A. Smith, that's who I want. Boom. You're out. He's in. Stephen A. Smith lasted less than a year. He was a good stepping stone. That job that he took, which was my job, I guess, uh, that was his bounce-back job because he pretty much, his career had gone all the way to the bottom. He had nothing going on at the time, and they, you know, he got that job. So, boom, out on that. And then same thing more recently with SB Nation. So to walk away from a great thing when it was still great was, is, and continues to be excruciating. That's number one. Number two, the second level of grief I have is that I've let people down close to me and people that I care about, people that are my friends. And I've impacted their professional lives in a negative manner by taking my ball and going home or taking our dog out to the farm where he's going to live for the rest of his life or, you know, putting them down. I mean... It's not that it's fatal, I mean, and it's not irreparable. They're going to find a new sports guy, and he or she is going to be sitting in the fastest car in town. 
but it's still a professional hit for them to lose me after 24 years, and they're stunned and angry and confused, and I get it. Um, and so that's number two. And number three is I've let down everyone who has emailed me over the years and said, I love what you do with those guys. I mean, I, I've let them down as fans. And I know you're confused, and you're wanting answers, and you want more than just this brief explanation today, and hopefully I can give it to you uh, perhaps by the end of the week. And then, of course, there's one last level, which has been <laughs> ulcer-inducing for me. I, I swear I think I'm going to get an ulcer. I've had a stomachache for three weeks now. Uh, the last thing is that there is some predictable lashing out on social media, which I am trying to studiously avoid, and some text messages and some emails and whatever. I understand it. It's understandable, but it's still disappointing, and it's sad because there's still a lot of information to come out yet. And so to jump to conclusions, to have theories, to take sides, to point fingers, to tut-tut, I mean, come on. Think about how fun my week was being the guy who caused all of this. I mean, you know, (laughs) I was trying to enjoy my mother-in-law's 80th birthday this past weekend up in Philly, and it was everything I could do to, you know, not answer any texts that might come like, oh, did you see this? Did you see that? And, you know, I try to check Twitter and I try to check my mentions because people will put in mentions certain things like, hey, Zabe, did you see this or that? And inevitably there was things in there like, you owe us an explanation. Tell us what happened. And I'm just like, ah, there's more to come. I think it'll clarify a lot. I think many will understand. I think some won't, and I can't control that. But I hope this week I can do just that. And uh, bottom line is I'm just I'm sick about it, and I'm devastated. I'm trying to carry on with everything I do, Zabecast and my show here in D.C., uh, as a professional without letting it just turn me inside out. And no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I've never been mad at those guys. I've never been mad at them for more than a minute. Tops. If that, I I don't know. I mean, they've had a right to be mad at me more times than I've had a right to be mad at them. You know, when I do dumb shit like, uh, you know, cook up King Day and then I'm late for dinner by an hour plus and Bob and Brian are sitting there with a couple listeners they don't know just twiddling their thumbs. (laughs) Dumb shit like that and many other instances. So, I'm not mad. There was no fight. There was no management edict to get rid of me. There was no contractual stalemate other than my deal was coming to an end and my career was at a crossroads and I had to make a decision. But unfortunately, because of timing issues, I still can't really talk about much more of it right now until a few things happen. So all I ask is, is A, realize I'm hurting as much as anybody, if not more so, because this is my fault. I have chosen to leave. And I did love doing it, and I hate letting people down, especially those close to me and those who have been a great benefit in my life. And number two, there's a lot more to the story, and I'll talk about it as soon as I can. And number three is just try to keep your hot takes and feelings and stuff and your side-taking on social media. Just just try to take it to a minimum. Keep it to a minimum. It's There's so much that is not known. And, you know, it can really... Damage friendships is all I'm saying. And do you know what I can do to prevent getting an ulcer? Hopefully this can all finally sort of play itself out and I won't have a tummy ache anymore.
I know this. My Redskins have got a big-time tummy ache right now. They get killed by the Falcons as we start our Week 9 rundown of games. 38-14, your final. Julio Jones finally scored a touchdown for the Falcons. It was the last touchdown they scored on the day. Uh, The Redskins, more than just being inept in their passing game. You know, they're facing the 31st-ranked passing defense in Atlanta. And Alex Smith, he he stinks. He had 306 yards, but he had one pick on the game. Really was doing a lot of dinking and dunking. It could have been three picks on the game. There was a lot of balls dropped. There was a lot of garbage time yards there. And because the Redskins fell behind and because they couldn't really run very much and because of their O-line injuries, uh, there was nothing happening. Now, you can write it off to the O-line got decimated and therefore they didn't have a chance. You can write it off to as a couple drops that changed the initial trajectory of the game. You can also complain about the officiating and a, a, a handful of very bad calls. There was a taunting call on Josh Doxson, which was ridiculous. He made a great catch for a first down, spun the ball on the sideline, pointed at it, meaning the ball, not anyone else, threw a flag for taunting. They threw uh, a 15-yard penalty on Morgan Moses for yelling at you know one of the referees, and not even yelling, just sort of lobbying his case that teammate Brandon Sheriff had gotten cheap-shotted, and that's why he was down on the ground writhing in severe pain. The, the penalty on Doxson, by the way, for the celebrating was especially galling because late in the game when the Falcons got a pick by Kazee, he gets up and runs down to the other end zone with all his teammates and then rifles the ball up into the stands. Uh, no penalty. I'm like, that's not a penalty? Are you kidding me? Uh, there's some pick plays the Redskins didn't like as well, but whatever. Tevin Coleman, Ito Smith, slashed and burned the Redskins D for 148 yards on the ground. And like I said, the Skins pass game is shit. Doxson had three catches for 31 yards and a touchdown. Hey, Jay Gruden finally hit a fade pattern for a touchdown in the end zone. We've been waiting as Redskins fans for three years now, almost, for that play to happen because that's all Josh Doxson did in college at TCU. Ooh, fade pattern end zone, jumps up, catches it. Hey, let's go get him. That'll be great. And like I said, Alex Smith... Hippity-hoppity in the pocket, happy feet, throwing inaccurately. It's not good. And if you want even more bad news about the weekend, uh, these injuries by the Redskins, according to ProFootballDoc.com uh, or ProFootballDoc David Chow, uh, Morgan Moses has got an MCL strain, they think, uh, he could be hobbled for the next couple of weeks. That's the best of the injuries. Sean Laval is a possible ACL tear, which would make him out for the season. Uh, Sheriff has a possible torn pec, according to Dr. Chow on his online column. That would mean done for the season. Trent, with his thumb surgery he had uh, this week, means he's probably out a month. That's four out of five starters in the O-line that could be out for at least a month, maybe the season. Not good. At all. And while we've all got stomach aches, Patriots 31. Oh, by the way, the Redskins now 5-3. and three. They're at Tampa Bay. They're still in first, the Redskins. So there you go. There's my Maalox moment. 5-3, uh, and three, but they're at Tampa Bay. The Falcons are 4-4 four and four and sort of picking up some steam here. They are at Cleveland where they can get back above 500 next week. Patriots relentless in their winning 
They moved to 7-2 and two by beating the Packers 31-17 to 17 on Sunday Night Football. Final score a bit deceiving, although they do cover the six points. It was a 17-17 game early in the fourth. Packers are driving, and then Aaron Jones at the plus 35. Fumble! Recover for the Patriots. They march down, score a touchdown, and that was that. Tom Brady, 22-35, 294 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Rodgers, not as good, 24-43, two touchdowns, also no picks. Dave Portnoy, Barstool Sports, who is a great heel of sorts, although I'm not sure he's wrong in saying this, tweeted out, man, this guy Rodgers never gets blamed for anything. It's amazing. He also tweeted out, the fact that Rodgers is mentioned in the same breath as Brady is quite annoying, or something to that effect. Now, maybe he's going a little bit Skip Bayless here and a little bit trolling. That's what Portnoy does. But those two thoughts have to be, I think, explored for just a bit. I can't remember the last time anyone really blamed Brady for a loss or really blamed blamed Rodgers for a loss. And I think we do have to sort of step back and go, okay, are they really on the same level. I mean, I've always thought that Rodgers, like most people thought, he's the most talented player at the position. But do we need to re-examine it? Even though it's only one game. I know. And it's not fair that the Packers are coached by McCarthy, who, as Warren Sharp pointed out on Twitter, Warren Sharp, uh, Sharp Football Analysis, he's a numbers guy, He's like, hmm, McCarthy, first and goal, second and goal, pass, pass from jumbo formation, third and goal in spread, bailed out again by Aaron Rodgers' brilliance. McCarthy wouldn't run from the spread at the goal line if his entire play sheet said, goal line, run from spread. I totally agree. I've been saying for years, and Warren Sharp is big on this, run it near the goal line, but run it out of spread, run it out of four wide. Instead, teams go jumbo. They're very predictable. They've got one or two pass catchers total in the patterns. And all the players are bunched up in the middle. Why do they do that? I don't know. Also, did you hear Al Michaels reading the sort of Mike McCarthy opit of sorts? He was talking about McCarthy's been here for 13 years. I think 15 years now, actually. He was talking about how he came in the league same time as Sean Payton. The only other coaches with longer tenures are Marvin Lewis and Belichick. It was almost like a, eh, you know... He now has lost two games that were there to be won. Is it McCarthy's fault that Aaron Jones fumbled? No. Is it McCarthy's fault that, uh, you know, uh, Montgomery came out of the end zone last week? Kind of, but no, ultimately no. Still, these are two games that could have been won. And they weren't. 17-17, fourth quarter. Didn't happen. Corderell Patterson, more carries in this game 11 carries for 61 yards James White left the game with an injury no Sony Michelle no Gronk in this game the Patriots win the Patriots winning is relentless and it's sickening Pat seven and two they're at Tennessee next week Packers three four and one and they are at Miami all right we'll go speed round on the rest of the game Saints 45 35 win over the Rams they knocked the Rams from the unbeaten Saints are 7-1, and one, Rams 8-1 and one now. Saints blew a 35-17 lead with 17 unanswered, but then it was the Michael Thomas backbreaker over Marcus Peters and the Joe Horn homage cell phone celebration in the end zone. I don't know if you thought it was great or cheesy. I would rule it great. 
I liked it. Did get penalized for it, but so what, right? Alvin Kamara had three touchdowns in this game. Thomas's 211 yards was a team record in that game. The Rams are home against Seattle. The Saints are at Cincinnati. The Bears destroy the Bills 41-9. Nate Peterman was a shit show again. 31-49, a buck 89, no touchdowns, three INTs, including a pick six. Peterman was also the Bills' leading rusher with 46 yards rushing as he ran for his life. Peterman now has 13 interceptions in 133 career passing attempts. You know me and math. We're not good friends. That's one every 10 passes. Bears uh, improved to 5-3, and three, and the Bills fall to 2-7. and seven. Bears are home against Detroit. The Bills are at the New York Jets. The Panthers beat the Buccaneers 42-28. to 28. Cam Newton said after the game, we have some crazy, scary talent on this team. The Panthers are amazingly diverse offensively, especially with Greg Olson back and with McCaffrey. McCaffrey had 157 yards total and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, Fitzmagic had four touchdown passes, but two costly picks. And James Bradbury shut down Mike Evans in this game for the Buccaneers. Evans had 10 targets, only one catch. That's impressive. Panthers are now 6-2. and two. They're at Pittsburgh on a short week, plus travel on Thursday night. The Buccaneers fall to 3-5, and five, and they catch my Redskins at just the right time. No word yet on who's going to start at quarterback. I got the sense from the recaps I read, and I didn't hear, but I think it's going to be Fitzmagic again. The Chiefs beat the Browns. That means my lock of the week goes down in flames. 37-21, your final score. Pat Mahomes, eh, three more touchdown passes, 375 yards, did have a pick. Kareem Hunt, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Kelsey, seven for 99, and two touchdowns for him. Mayfield, for the Browns, took a wicked shot to the head. He was checked and cleared and came back in the game. And here's the fun stat of the game. Chiefs have now won the coin toss for the ninth consecutive week. So they're not just winning games at 8-1. and one. They've won the coin toss all nine games. Chiefs have Arizona at home this coming week. Browns are home against Atlanta. The Dolphins beat the Jets 13-6. Yes, 13-6 in a game that sounded just as awful as the score looks and was as awful from what I could tell. Sam Darnold barely above 50% again. Four interceptions, no touchdowns. He too had a pick six. He now has 14 picks on the season. That's even more than Peterman. Brock Osweiler is now 2-2 two and two as a replacement quarterback for the Dolphins, who improved to 5-4. and four. They're at Green Bay, or they're home against Green Bay, I believe, this week. The Jets are home against Buffalo. Vikings beat the Lions 24-9 behind a franchise record 10 sacks on Stafford. It included a thumb six, which turned out to be the backbreaker by Danielle Hunter. You can make fun of his name as a girly name all you want, Danielle Hunter. Uh, He had three and a half sacks in this game. Stafford was sacked so much and so relentlessly they had to get the rubber pellets from the fake turf out of his eyes. They were eye-washing him because he had those rubber pellets in there. I once had that happen to me. Uh, My old house, I had installed a synthetic putting green in the backyard, and I got one of the little infill pellets in there, and it was probably smaller and sharper. It was like a very sharp black sand infill. It got in my eye. Oh my God, I went to the, had to go to the hospital to get it washed out. It was terrible. Uh, Cousins and Stafford, both of them were under 200 yards passing. Cousins only 22 throws, but 18 
completions. Did have a pick. Dalvin Cook returned uh, to the lineup. 10 carries, 89 yards. That included a 70-yarder. The Thielen 100-yard game streak is over. Diggs missed the game with a rib injury. I didn't know that. I started him in fantasy. I took a big fat zero. Serves me right. Vikings improved to 5-3-1. and one. They've got a bye this week. Lions fall to 3-5. and five. They are at Chicago. The Steelers beat the Ravens 23-16. So that series splits yet again for another year. And the big headline coming out of that game afterwards was reports say John Harbaugh could get fired during the bye week here. Ravens fall to 4 and 5. The Steelers are 5-2 and 1 now. They've got Carolina on a short week at home. Another 107 yards for James Conner and a touchdown reception. We are getting awfully close to the week 11 witching date for good old Le'Veon Bell to return. Pittsburgh, by the way, was 10 of 16 on third down. They held the ball for 36 and a half minutes, and Big Ben punted in this game. He also left the game after falling on the football. That really, really hurts when it takes the wind out of you. Um, But he came back after missing one play. The Chargers beat the Seahawks 25 to 17 behind Melvin Gordon's 113 yards rushing on 16 carries. Added a touchdown as well. Keenan Allen was great, six for a buck 24. Phillip Rivers made his 200th straight start. Do you know he is only the fourth guy in NFL history to make 200 consecutive starts? He joins Favre and the Manning boys, Eli and Peyton, as the only guys in that club. Desmond King had a big pick six on a Russell Wilson pass late in the fourth quarter that helped put the game away. Chris Carson, eight carries, 40 yards for the Seahawks, left with his aggravated hip injury. Oh, and Charger kicker Caleb Sturgis missed two extra points and a 42-yarder. That brings me now, in the middle of our Week 9 rundown, to a little thing you may like called Stat of the Day. Stat of the Day. So Sturgis has now missed two extra points, or he's missed an extra point and a field goal in three straight games. The last kicker to miss an extra point and a field goal in three straight games... Raiders kicker Jim Breach in 1979. Behold your stat of the day! So, yeah, they're probably going to try some kickers out this week. Chargers now 6-2. and two. They are at Oakland on Sunday. Ray, uh, Seahawks fall to 4-4. Four and four. They host the Rams. The Texans beat the Broncos 19-17. Brandon McManus had a chance to win it for Denver at the gun. 51-yarder went wide right. Demarius Thomas in his return game had three catches for 61 yards, including two of them on the opening touchdown drive for Houston, but made a bunch of screw-ups in the second half. He uh, uh, had a false start, lined up in the wrong spot. He even had to run over and ask Watson, what am I doing here? They burned a timeout, but it worked out. Texans get the win. They're 6-3 and three now. Broncos 3-6, and six, both teams are on a bye. And that brings us to Monday night. Three and four Titans tonight, three and four Cowboys. Cowboys minus four and a half. I never am good at picking Titans games against the spread. It's my blind spot, but what the hell. Give me the Titans plus the points on Monday night. College football real quick before I get to my chat with the godfather, Tony Bruno. Alabama killed LSU 29 to nothing. Score was a little deceiving if you watched the game. LSU had a chance in the first half, teams always seem to have a, quote, chance against Alabama, and then they play a full 60 minutes. 
Tua was incredible. Got hurt, came back, gutted through it. Hell of a play. I mean, I'm now starting to think, what's he going to be like as a pro? Is he going to be as good as he looks right now in college because he was flat out sick? Michigan and uh, Michigan killed Penn State as Timmy Murray predicted. Tim Murray four and one by the way in his picks right here on this podcast. Clemson destroyed Louisville seventy seven to whatever the number was. They were minus thirty nine and a half. Another game that Timmy predicted predict, uh, predicted correctly that they are in killing mode to make sure they give the committee all they need to back them up to put them in the playoff if it's close at the end. And then Georgia put down Kentucky, so Kentucky is. Still a nice story this year, but they uh, are no longer on the inside track to ruin everything in the SEC. If it were me, if it were me, and and I know Notre Dame fans are not going to like this, the four teams I'd want to see in the playoff are Bama, Clemson, Michigan, Georgia. Those are the four teams I'd like to see. No offense, uh, Ohio State str- uh, struggled. I don't think they're going to come close to getting in uh, unless they try to backdoor it. Uh, which maybe they will, or maybe they can. The four teams I want to see, Alabama, Michigan, Clemson, and Georgia, and I don't think that uh, anyone's going to be at Alabama, but we're going to play it out anyway, aren't we? So I had a chance to sit down with a guy that not only I, but others call the godfather of sports radio, and it's because he has been so many places, done so many things, and he is so damn funny and so damn good. It was a real treat Sat down with Tony Bruno and Harry Mays, his former partner uh, for a couple of years in Philadelphia. Harry the Temple Flash, uh, most recently of 97.5 The Fanatic. And we talked about a variety of things, including the evolution of sports radio, the wing bowl in Philadelphia coming to an end, and where his trademark phrase, beautiful, first originated. You're going to call this live at Harry's place? Yeah, I'll call live at Harry's place. You are looking live at Harry Mays' basement. Hello, Harry. Look at this. In in the presence of absolute greatness, the godfather of sports talk radio, Tony Bruno. Beautiful. Are we on? Oh, we're on. Oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. I've been recording all this shit. I've got blackmail stuff before we even so-called went on. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. I'll be releasing my my homemade porn later to add to the collection. So if you really want... Good stuff. I mean, that's what everybody wants. You're nothing unless you have your own sex tape. tape. Sex yeah, tape. Sex yeah. tape. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I love yeah. it. And we're going to watch the Redskin game later, and we can just... Speaking rip. of porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing I'd rather do on a beautiful day than to sit inside and watch the Redskins. Harry, it is killing you you're not playing golf. It really right? is. Okay. It's a golf day. It's a golf day. Yeah, it is. How many, know, how many more are left? Uh, for this year, not many. Not many. These are all bonus days, basically. Yeah. It's uh, Native American summer. We love that. <laughs> I played 24 times Indigenous in October. People's summer. Indigenous you People's Summer. You, you used PC to be Indian man. Summer. Then it became uh, Native American Summer. Now it's Indigenous People's Summer. <laughs> Some people call it climate change, or in other words, something that's been going on for millions of years every fall. You get a couple <laughs> of warm days mixed in, and now all of a sudden the world's coming to an end. We've all of a sudden gotten political. We've all of no, a no, sudden. It's not it didn't take long. It's just an observation. The no, climate is always changing. Yeah, it's changed right? for a billion years. Billions and billions, <laughs> billions of years. years. Where where did you get your trademark phrase, beautiful? When did that first come out of your pie hole, Tony Bruno? I don't, and by I the don't way, remember. the lovely Miss Robin is with Ms. us Miss Robin's well. here, too. Yes, Hi, Miss Robin. Uh, where, what's, the, what's the background on beautiful? I don't know. It's like a, 
it wasn't, it just happens, you know? It's just like, it's not something I, I wrote down. I have my catchphrases. You know, it's like a lot of the Sports Center guys had catchphrases. Yeah, but back when in the did you day. first uncork it? It's got to be in the 80s. Really? Yeah, the first Way time back. I ever did was ever asked a question, probably, or some, about something, and I'd say, beautiful. But it's not, you know, other people have said it. I, I mean, I didn't originate the word beautiful. Yeah, but it is still yours. Yeah, and I actually had T-shirts made with it, and people just, <laughs> a few, you know. And so it's not negative. Everybody's got negative connotations added to them. But, but when somebody says beautiful, how can you perceive it? That's one of the few words where no one will say, wait a minute, what do you mean by that? Right. What do you mean? But almost yeah. like, almost, <laughs> almost... <laughs> But almost like, almost like how the Eskimos have fifty different words for snow. I bet there's fifty different versions of beautiful. Oh yeah, right. There's beautiful. beautiful. And that one is not from a movie or something like that. No. Whereas his other catchphrases, which have caught on, are from movies. Yeah, the white or something. four. I had no. I I didn't originate four. Well, that was Hoosiers, right? Yeah, yeah it yeah. was Craig Larson. Yeah, who we all know was one of my producers in L.A. And he started playing that one day out of nowhere. Four? Yeah. The, the, what's that? I haven't heard that. that that's uh, How many times do you pass the ball before? In the movie yeah. Hoosiers. Gene Hackman. Right. Okay. Yeah. Gene Hackman's the coach, and he's got yeah. all these white kids in his locker room. No, no, I know that, but how to become a catchphrase? How I do don't you know, use because it? He, Craig started playing it. How do you use it? It doesn't matter. It just says it four? Just, yeah. Well, whatever. no, it's anytime the number four comes up, and right. it comes up a lot. It does. Weirdly. Oh, it weirdly, does. it does. So it's like sports <laughs> radio bingo. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> four. So like you know so and whether it's how many games do the, the Lakers need to win or the Sixers need to win right. or so and so need to win like when the when the Dodgers were playing the Red Sox in the in the World Series and you know the Red Sox were down how many now do they need to win and then he'd hit four yeah Gene okay I mean mm-hmm. it's stupid but that's the kind of stuff that's the kind of crap people grab on yeah they do they grab just, on, they gravitate to that more than any sports opinion you know why Bruno is you know the why because sports opinions suck. <laughs> Yeah, well, all right, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna you've been. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, Tony, why the how the industry is different now than it was 20, 20, 35 years ago. But hold that for a second. The reason Tony is great is he not only knows sports, he knows how sports works. You know what I'm saying, Harry? Yeah, there I know is how everything knowing. Works. Sp- <laughs> I know how Harry works. I know how there's, you work. There's no. I don't work there's right no, now. No, me neither. <laughs> knowing, no. We're hoping to change that. Knowing sports is one thing. Who's good, who's bad, quarterback, stats, whatever. But knowing how sports works, the all, everything else beyond that. The like, business of sports. Well, and what the fuck Jimmy Butler is doing right now with his blue flu with the Minnesota Timberwolves mm-hmm. and being able to comment on that. Right. Jimmy, That's, he has the blue flu? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a shot for that? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, you get it with the shingle shot and you get it with the new strains yeah. that are coming into the country. So, you, Tony, you worked with Harry... For how many years? Four. No, no, no. Four. More than that. <laughs> see, I got rid of right That's what that I'm one. saying. See, yeah. if we had our sound effects machine here. Yeah. And I don't really do them anymore on my podcast. I let Luigi, who's our producer, one of our producers, mm-hmm. he plays all the sound effects now. I yeah. used to be, I would be thinking where to use it. Now I just sit back and let everybody else play them. Yeah. It's about, it's, 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 that's why you have, that's why you have people that, that work with you or yeah. for you. Well, that's because your 360 machine went belly up. I know. I can't do it on a regular <laughs> touch screen. Yeah. I had to have my big machine that had like you 50 know, buttons on it. I love that thing. I have a second one of those. I bought one myself. They're $4,000. They're ridiculous. The 360? Yeah. yeah. But they're industry standard. Our old station got rid of one that was dead, so I, I have taken it in. I've got to send it in to get fixed, though. Yeah. It's huge, and it's heavy. But, but you it get used to it. Got rubber buttons. They're right there. It's exactly. Bah, 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 bah. And, and he can he can go to town on that thing. He knows where everything yeah. is. But now on a touch screen where there's 50 things and you yeah. can see what they say, you still go, 
Where, it's where not is as it? good. Where is it? It's not as good. Well, that so was now, one of the funny things about working with, with Tony is doing the show. He would navigate the show to get to a certain soundbite <laughs> that he was determined to play, and he'd be sitting he there like look, a GPS routing. I've got to go to right, get to here. A I'm, circuitous I'm route to get to, get to, to this sound perfect soundbite. It was awesome. Yeah, but then you lose it, and then you just play them out of context, which is like everything nowadays. <laughs> it's like falling behind and just throwing the ball every play, right? Exactly. So, so Harry, you worked with him for four years. What was the best thing about working with good old Tony? Uh, you never knew how the day was going to start. And you damn sure didn't know how it was going to end. <laughs> like it was just not a- exhaustive pre-show prep meetings. No, no practice, no rehearsal. No, nope. come on. No, we never tried to do the show before the show. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and then any time we-, we talked, it was always the show always went. And the show never ended. Right. As soon as we'd get into the office, the show would start like an hour before the show started. So and then like, save a- it for the air. And then I always say a- that to my partner Scott Lynn. I'm like, well, well, save it for the air. Right. You don't want to do the show before the show, yeah. but then there was the after show. Yeah, then there was like, the after show. Like you just can't shut it down. It's no, unbelievable. It's, the show's always on. <laughs> like even now when I Harry and I talk, it's like we're doing a show. We're calling up <laughs> to talk about coming to his house to watch football. Yeah. It was the show continues. It never ends. And here's the other thing about Tony <laughs> is that if he does something ahead of time and goes, "Oh yeah, I want to do that in the show." He won't do it the same way. He'll forget it. it. He won't remember it. Like, I can't write lines or, oh, I'm going to write this down and then say it. Mm -hmm. Because I forget it. That's why I could never be a comic. I could never remember my routines. It's all got to be organic and natural. It's too manic. Yeah. It is. They they just canceled here in Philadelphia the Wing Bowl after 27 years, I believe. 26. And you started it with Al Morganti. Okay. Al Morganti, Angelo Cataldi. And you, we at were, IP. We were doing a show, a remote, in the hotel lobby every Friday morning at the Wyndham Franklin Plaza Hotel, which has now gone through two name changes since then. I don't even know what it is. No, I don't even know what it is. This is in Philly. It's in yeah. Center City, right on the parkway, right down there in the historic area. And we would sit around. You know, a couple of guys, schleps with coffee cups, would come in and eat some donuts. And we would do a talk show. But that was the thing. It was a remote. So somebody was paying us to show up. So we'd sit in the lobby and, you know, do a show for four hours. And a couple people would come in. And then one day, some guy brings in a dozen glazed Dunkin' Donuts. So I said, oh, man, I love those. I can eat that whole box. This is how it started. I can eat all 12 donuts. <laughs> and then Alan, you know, like we do on radio. Oh, so no, a no, challenge was thrown down. Yeah, so I threw down the challenge. And it wasn't planned. It was just like, I bet you I could eat that whole dozen donuts. And, and I did. Did you dust them? Yeah. No, I didn't dust them. They were glazed. I ate them all. You yeah. mean like, did I eat them yeah, all? Did you eat them? Yeah. Was the whole easy? thing. The whole thing. And then everybody's like, wow, oh, my God, how do you do that? So, of course, that, that starts <laughs> the phone calls coming in. Big deal. You know, I can eat uh, 100 wings. I can eat uh, my father. This is the best one. My father won the Nathan Nathan's hot dog eating contest ah. at Coney Island, and he ate 50 hot dogs. And then Angela's like, well, your dad, is he still around? Yeah. He says, well, have him come here next week, and we'll have him eat 50 hot dogs. We'll provide the hot dogs. And the son's now talking. It's not the dad. He says, well, I got to be careful. He can't have the buns, though, because my dad's got a heart condition. <laughs> so, and then Angela's, oh, he's got to eat the buns, because that's how they do it. And, <laughs> and then I was saying, no, don't let the guy. Just let, let the guy eat 50 hot dogs without the buns. So anyway, we set it up. Next week, guy comes in. We have the hot dogs and the buns, and the dad starts eating on the air. And within, like, 20 hot dogs, he starts turning really, really pale white. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the paramedics are called. This guy was having, like, a seizure over a stupid radio wow. event. And, and from they brought that, him out. the Wing Bowl was born. Yes, because then and they said, then the hotel said, 
No more eating stunts. But guess what happened when the guy said he was coming to eat the 50 hot dogs? Instead of having three schlubs sitting around, all of a sudden the hotel lobby was filled to watch a guy eat 50 hot dogs. Ah, and so that's then, where the idea was long. born. People will come and watch Gluttony. And if there's beer available at 7 a.m. on a Friday before the Super Bowl, right. this is now an event. But right. then it so became it, wings. Then, then people would call in. And so the hot dog thing put an end to the yeah. eating hot dogs. The hotel said no eating anything. And that spawned the whole idea of people calling in. And so chicken wings became the thing because Al came up with the, well, what's a big deal on Super Bowl weekend? Yeah. Everybody gets there wings. So then people started calling in and saying, I can eat 100 wings. Oh, I can eat 200 wings. And thus Wing Bowl was born. And the very first one was in the old hotel, old Lit Brothers building in Center City, which Mike Schmidt has a, had as a sports bar. Oh, that's right. There was a sports bar on the ground floor of the old historic Lit Brothers apartment, department store. And that's where it was. And we had 1,000 people in there for the first wing bowl. Then it moved to Club Egypt on the Delaware River. That place right. was packed. And then so it just kept growing and growing and growing. Yeah, and then it and went then to the spectrum. And then you put it in the, the spectrum. The spectrum. And, and, yeah. and then it was 20,000 people. And then eventually it moved to the Wells Fargo Center. But it became a stripper's holiday. Right, yeah. Scantily clad <laughs> women and strippers. I just can't believe that some suit in the legal department didn't shut that down. I know. Between the time Angelo threw out the challenge until the guy showed up the next week. Well, you know why? Because they got sponsorships for it. Ah. Because instead of it just being a zany radio promotion, it's it's a zany radio promotion that all of a sudden every strip club in the city, and again, I'm not denouncing strip clubs. Harry and I have been to many. Oh, yeah. Miss Robin and I have been to many. Back then, there might have only been two. (laughs) Yeah, and so it became like Friday before the Super Bowl, was a national holiday. Well, not a national, local holiday. Every establishment opened at 6 a.m. Couples, swingers, everybody involved would go there, and it became cool. The guy would take guys would take their wives and their girlfriends. Some guys would take their wives and girlfriends at the same time. They and sat it was like in different seats. Yeah, they just yeah. sat in, uh, in different. No, they actually sat together. He sat in the, the middle. Good one he sat, sat on together. both sides. So wait. So then this thing goes. <laughs> then this thing is filling up your basketball arena, and I'm like watching from Washington going, how is that fucking possible? Like, who would show up for that? It's the most amazing radio promotion ever. We can say fuck ever. on this show? Oh, fuck yeah. It up. Yeah, right. absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, and I'm, and I'm watching it, and I'm, I'm seeing it grow and everything, and I'm thinking, why would they cancel this? Why would this thing end? It's not like it only had 2,000 people show up last yeah. year. No, we're talking no. 20,000. Now, I've heard that they say, well, we were in the Super Bowl and won it, so we don't have to do this anymore. No, that was a good, convenient excuse. That's what it but is. what's happened is, in the last five or six years, you had the sanctimonious columnists and news columnists, not just sports writers. The sports writers are slobs, just like sports radio people. They right. love wings. They're, they they're, love they're wings. slobs, but they think they're educated. They well, think some they're, of them do. Well, yeah, the, but P- they, some of them the PC world has finally caught oh, yeah. up with and it. And then it was sure. like there'd be columns written about, oh, this is just misogynist. Before yeah. misogyny was cool. Right. This, oh, this <laughs> yeah. is misogynist. How is it misogynist? You're getting together to eat wings. Well, is it because, because there was women, a lot of strip club involvement? Yes, they would pay absolutely. money to sponsor. Exactly, and the girls would show up, and but they nobody was forcing them no, to show up. No, it was all up. voluntary. They there was loved no, it. There was no it. stripping at the wing bowl, was there? I, I don't know. Well, I wasn't there for all that stuff, but there were, you know, there were scantily when clad. When there's alcohol and scantily clad women involved, yeah. I have a feeling some there's things boobs. happen. There's be yeah. flashing, yeah. you know, <laughs> they'd be flat. But again, you know, anybody who's been to the Mardi Gras who's upset about flashing just does, has no personality or life. It was kind of Philly's Mardi Gras. Exactly. It was. It was your one-day Mardi Gras. It was a it big was. deal. I mean, it was an all-day event. It started at 6 a.m. and ran into the night. So, to me, it was a big moneymaker. And the reason they tr- – my opinion, the reason they did it was not, had nothing to do with, with, oh, the Eagles won a Super Bowl. It was convenient. It was the PC cops and the world we live in now where corporate America 
doesn't want anybody to write negative columns. Mm -hmm. Like two negative columns about something is now enough reason to shut it down while 90% of the other people think it's okay and there's nothing wrong with it. That's the world we live in. One person complains, they get heard. 99 other people say, what's the big deal? They get shut down. Don't you feel that the CBS involvement had a lot to do with it as well? I guess, but you know, CBS likes making money just like any other company. Yeah, and they need I'm to make money. I'm not ripping one yeah. company. I'm ripping all the companies. Yeah. They're all walking on eggshells now when they try to do something because they don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. Difference in sports radio 30 years ago versus today. I'll well, Harry let had you guys the, have at it. Harry didn't have gray hair, and, and I had hair. Right. <laughs> no, it aged, it aged us. Well, no it aged about it. Yeah. I'll, I'll um, start it by saying this, and then you guys. Now you've been. You saw like this here. You've been in this business. How many years I have, have you been in this business? Uh, started in ninety. Well, yeah, ninety four one on one sports, which became Sporting News Radio, which became SB Nation Radio. No, Yahoo Radio, and then which became SB Yahoo. Nation. Yeah, right, Yahoo, and then SB Nation. Uh, Craig Larson worked with him as a young pup in Chicago, nineteen ninety four. Yep. Drove into Chicago during the strike of ninety four. Everything was shut down. I was all excited. I was going to stay in Wrigleyville with a friend. No baseball, nothing. I didn't know a single person in Chicago. I was like, oh, what have I gotten into? This is a huge mistake. But anyway, so I'm at one-on-one sports radio there, and this is 94. So there is no satellite, no internet, no nothing. We were getting our stories off of this dot matrix printer that Mm -hmm. was hooked up to the AP wire. And overnight, if the printer didn't have paper in it, the update guy would come in and be like, fuck, I got no stories. (laughs) Where do I get stories? And they go run for the Chicago Tribune, try to find it. So the hosts back then all had to have some passion for sports and a real knowledge for it and a real ability to come up with some ideas and angles and opinions. Nowadays, the takes are everywhere. And they're distributed on the internet, in social media, so anyone can pick up a basket of takes for 12 for a dollar and go crack a microphone. Mm-hmm. Back then, you had to be so into sports, you had to think about it and live it, that it, you couldn't just get anybody to fill three hours. They wouldn't know what to say. Yep. Nowadays, right. the takes are so commoditized, anyone can do it. Hmm. That's my big take, take, speaking of takes, between sports radio 30 years ago versus now. Okay, go. You're right. I mean, I, I started long t- long before that, but you th- you're talking 94, so we always hear when you, I was in the radio in the 70s, and you're, oh, you're ancient, you know, you don't relate to anybody. But in 94, we're not talking ancient history now. You know what I mean? 94 yes, is, yeah. no, it's not 94. 25 not years. Yeah, but that 25 years ago is no, is, people don't, people okay. don't know what happened four years ago. I they know. think that's ancient history. Chronologically, you're right, Tony. It's not a lot, but technology-wise. Oh, no doubt about it. Because when I, when I was at ESPN in 92, we didn't have any of that technology. We had a computer screen that would show us the, the AP scores and box right. scores. But right. that's it. You're right. We had no internet. As far as internet is, there was no social media. There. Where we, would you we get your take, take about, phone calls? Right. Where would anyone get their take about Steve Garvey back in 1978? You have to get your own take. Exactly. You have to watch the games and go, this guy can't hit curveballs or whatever your take right. is. And right. back then, to, to get a job at an ESPN, you had to know who the third line of the Vancouver Canucks were. <laughs> you know, I mean, now right. you, don't, you don't even know who your own players are. Right. And that's the way I've gotten. Ha- Sergei Bichikakov. Sonny Jackmiyoff. I remember that team very well. <laughs> Tony, didn't you say that they had you, you had to like take a test or something? A lot yeah, of people, they would yeah. ask you. It wasn't like a written test. They would say, uh, all right, let's say who played. Seriously. Vancouver Canucks, who's on their third line. And back then, you, 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 know, you knew because there was, 
you read all the you read the newspapers, you, you read the wires, you got the yeah. you got the Street and Smith, yeah. and you would go in and Chuck Wilson, who was one of my partners there. Oh, I mean, yeah. he would come in with literally a thousand sheets of prep material, every right. story written in every major newspaper, so you would have all the newspapers mm. available to you, and not for opinions, but just for for facts. Yeah. And then you had, and all we did was takes. Back then we called them opinions. Now they're called takes. Right. Because we didn't take phone calls. Did Rome start that? Have a take and don't yes. suck. Yeah, I, 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 Rome, Rome coined the phrase. Yeah. No doubt yeah. about Have it. A I take, give Jim credit suck. for that. I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he started a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their own things, and it's their original thing. Rome didn't steal it from anybody. I didn't steal beautiful from anybody. Mm. And so when you do things that are organic and, and they become original, well, the only thing that, that, that I stole from somebody, Frank Rizzo was the mayor of Philly, and I knew him, and he would always say, uh, what was the one? It's an outrage. That's where I got that from. Okay. Frank Rizzo, that was the first guy I heard say, it's an outrage. That's an outrage. He did a talk show. I did the mornings at WCAU, and he did afternoons. And it was, it was like the funniest radio show that wasn't supposed to be funny. See, and see that's, Frank that's the polar opposites, Harry, of, of Tony Bruno's world. Beautiful and outrage. Yes. yes. And what I love about Tony is that he can – rip something to shreds or someone to shreds but he doesn't get up on a high and mighty soapbox there's a laugh coming right after it well, so yeah. it's it's not a self-important sort of put down it's a this is bullshit and here's why and now we're going to have a laugh well yeah and he'll go now it's not my style to rip yeah. and then he'll go in and proceed to just obliterate Make somebody rubble jump with something and then laugh <laughs> yeah if, if you can't have fun with it you know you don't you, do, Anybody with any common sense knows there's certain things you don't joke about. And I've always, fortunately, known th- where that line is. You know, and you Suicide, know, Hitler, yeah. rape. Well, Hitler's popular again now, so you can call anybody <laughs> Hitler and get away with it. Even though the you people who are saying half, it, Call half the people Hitler. Yeah. Because the other half, no. Because most of the people who, who <laughs> drop Hitler have no idea what Hitler even did no. or what, what, what it was no. all about. That's right. the thing that gets right. me. Harry, what, what's different? Now versus back when. And by the way, you started in sales. I started in on the air in 03 in yeah. the Lehigh Valley. Okay. At Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton. Nice. And it, back That's then. That's the ABE for those of you who fly into not the main airport but want to get a better deal on right. a smaller airline. Did you airline? break down their double-A baseball team there? <laughs> oh, man. No, Did no. they have a double-A or was it a single? That's it, triple-A up there oh, now. This okay. was where the Phillies triple-A. Once they got that strip club in Reading, it, they moved into the triple-A. Al's Diamond Cabaret. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. exactly. <laughs> Ball players have their oh. needs. Even no, the, AAA guys. The difference for me is just the way the the uh, system is rated. Because when I started, when you guys all started, there wasn't these meters. Everything's right. now meters, mm-hmm. and program directors are all slaves to the meters. Well, the people meters are, for those that don't know, they're little devices like beepers mm-hmm. that sit on the belt of a tiny number of selected people in a market, mm-hmm. like a thousand. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that that well, few? Let me, here in the greater Delaware Valley, um, and this was back when Tony was still on terrestrial radio. I don't know if it's increased. I doubt it. There were 1,200 meters for the entire greater Delaware Valley, right. population? which represented population. Five million? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. Five million, yeah. Yeah, and which is, is insane. It's, which it's is incredible. insane. And those twelve hundred meters, it's not just for sports radio. No. It's for every radio. single right. type of radio and out so there. And so the meters would then listen 
to what is playing in the background, and it would record the actual listening habits of radio listeners. And this is an improvement, quote-unquote improvement, Hmm. on the old system, which was a diary. They'd mail out a similar tiny number of diaries and say, what do you listen to? For how long? Please write it down, and we'll send you $4. $5. They sent you $5. And you didn't get your $5 if you didn't fill it out. So what a lot of people do, just like with any mail they get, they would just write whatever they think, think. That's why Howard Stern, I mean, he was great, and he is great. But they would write down, oh, what was I listening to between 6 and 10 this morning? Uh, Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Just a line straight down through every hour. Exactly. It was top of mind awareness more than I'm writing down what I listen to between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. So the diaries sucked. The people meters suck in a different way because the program directors now, Harry, Mm -hmm. they sit there and they look at it hour by hour. Minute by minute. (laughs) Yes. And they go, we need stronger teases into the updates. We're losing 12% of the audience. Right. Well, and yep. here's the other problem with the people meter. With the diaries, at least you got um, the the diaries were changing demographics all the time because you couldn't if you had done a diary one month, you had to d- wait another six months before right. you could do one again. People meters, someone if they are compliant with all the rules, which are all bogus, they can have that people uh, people meter up to two years. Mm. What? Two yes. years. So you get a couple people that love your station or show for two years, and you're, you're golden. Cool. Yeah. 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 And then those people get paid like a couple hundred bucks a month. Yes. And then every member of their family gets a, a meter and they get paid. A couple hundred? Yo, more oh, than yeah. that. You can, you can earn up to $2,000 a month. Oh, I'm in the if wrong business. I should, be I should just get a meter. Oh, Me too. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and they found ways to beat the system because it had to move around. So what people would do is they would put it in their on their coffee table and then turn a radio on and leave it there all day so they would be compliant. But then if there's no movement of now, the machine, they, will, they would they would say, it. ah. Yeah. But somebody they would put it on a on a ceiling yes, fan. Yeah. They would strap them to ceiling fans, they'd strap them to their dogs so that their dogs <laughs> but then the dogs around. would sleep too long. So the ceiling We're fan number trick. one in dogs twelve to sixteen. <laughs> exactly. What's so that demo worth? That's- <laughs> That's what we live and die by yeah. in the radio business, which is why management people micromanage more than ever because they panic when they see if one person, if two people are listening to your station on a people meter at any given time, they see it. If one of those people drops off because you go to a commercial break, they panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's knee-jerk panic. Let's do something now. We're not do- Let's get it back to the Eagles right. as they do here in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you mention something else beside the Eagles, right, Harry, what right. was the call? If, if you're not talking Eagles, you have to ask yourself why. Was the question. <laughs> and if you're not talking Eagles, you're basically telling someone to turn the channel. There's, you're telling that's them, what go the, find that's, Eagles talk. That's what yeah. the thought was. Even yeah. when the Sixers are hot, even yeah. when the Phillies were winning the World Series, it was still Eagles. We no, talked no, we talked a lot of Phillies yeah. then. Yeah, we talked a lot of Phillies okay. then. Yeah. But otherwise, it's all Eagle talk mm-hmm. 365 days a year. And God time. forbid if you had a collar on for longer than two minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the Bigby rule, right? Yes, Didn't that was Tom Bigby. That? Yeah. And, you know, to his credit, he was, a music de- he was a music DJ program director, and he was at radio stations where he said, the callers are like records on Top 40 music. Oh, yeah. You, right. you want a quick call. Yeah. You, don't, you, know, you, don't, you want to play the hits. And you want to play good records. Exactly. Right. Don't exactly. play idiots and assholes. Don't play B-sides. And, yeah. and racists and you know, dipwads. Put the good callers on the air if you can. But now that's all gone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. Well, and, and I wish that satellite was better, but what people don't understand is XM doesn't have a way to measure ratings. As miraculous as the technology is of putting a bird in outer space to send you a hundred channels of whatever, they still can't measure audience. 
They don't know. So they look to phone calls, right? If you're not yes. getting phone calls on satellite, yes. they think you're a failure, right? Now, I understand technology-wise, it's hard to get the user to transmit back up to the satellite. Hi, I'm listening. But they should have built that in. That would, If it was me going to all the expense of putting a satellite into orbit, I'd say, hey, we got to track who's listening mm. to yeah. what we're putting up here so we know where to invest our money. So we don't give Oprah Winfrey... $50 million for a radio show nobody listens to. Because mm-hmm. well, guys listen to XM radio. But that was the thing that they did initially. Remember, there were two companies. It was XM and Sirius, and they were competitors. Right. And so they said, we had to get big names, just like radio stations do. we got to get a big name and right. throw them on, and they're automatic. Right. They're going to succeed. Yeah. And they would put people on who didn't know how to do radio, and they would fail. So they got Oprah. They got Howard Stern, paid Howard Stern a gazillion dollars. They got all these people that they paid, you know, big names. They were all big names who had success. Russo. Russo, big, yeah. big success in New York, and they said, this is what we're going to do, and they threw a gazillion dollars at him, but then they didn't, when they tried to fill around the rest of the, uh, the, the day parts and the rest of the schedule, they said, well, we can't afford to pay a lot of people a lot of money, and then they merged together, yeah. and now it's a successful business model, but, you know, and it's there. I mean, but I have it, satellite it, radio in my car, too. successful creatively? It doesn't matter, Depends. I don't think, anymore. I don't think it matters. I think the fact is, as long as the stock keeps going up, yeah. They don't care about ratings like regular TV and radio right. stations do. They don't really rely on ratings. They rely on subscriptions. So subscriptions are, this is how much we're spending. That's, the, that's our budget. And why should we go out and, and build even more budgetary things when people are listening and we don't care if somebody's listening at 2 a.m. Yeah. That time slot's not important right. to us. I subscribe to XM, and I still like it, even though you know apps and phones and podcasts, mm-hmm. I can get a lot of stuff. I still like it. I just wish they've got so much capacity that's being unused. Why don't you just pick up a show from a market, a good sports radio show from Houston or Philly or Detroit or whatever, and just put it on? Yeah. You don't even have to pay for it. I bet these local shows would be like, yeah, we'll trade something out just to get on your bird. Right. I don't to, get to it. extend the brand. Well, that's what I'm sure there's a reason. They but do I don't it with the it. news channels. For example, Fox Radio, Fox Sports, uh, no, Fox. Fox News Channel, MSNBC, CNN, they all have channels. And what they do is they get the channels for free for the content. And then when they go to commercial breaks on TV, Sirius XM will put in their own commercials. Right. So that's how they that's how they monetize it. So there are commercial breaks. You know, the old thing is to be, well, I like satellite because there's no commercials. And on many of their channels, there aren't. But on a lot of channels, there are. There are, yeah. Right. And so your point is, is, is well taken. You can take a really successful local radio show of sports, whatever it is, and put it on, and then when they go to commercial breaks, you sell your own commercials. because yeah, I like being a sports radio tourist. I will pop in yeah. market to market with my mm-hmm. finger. Now, you can do that on your phone, but it's more cumbersome. Yeah. You have to, you know, and then you're going to crash your damn car. Right. Mm-hmm. I would want that on XM, but okay, whatever. Well, so- interestingly enough, um, when Tony was doing Into the Night, nighttime show he uh, it was national and yeah i've his, been on sirius xm at, at many different reincarnations sure. of my career whether and it was espn at the end fox you know sporting news you name it there everybody was on satellite and, and you got that was the that was the really ultimate power because you didn't have to worry about somebody driving you know between 
Philly and Pittsburgh losing losing you. the signal. Yeah, yeah. we got it all. It was God sent for yes. sales guys, truckers. truckers. Yeah, well, that people was it. driving to their grandmother because yep. she's sick truckers or whatever. were well, a huge demographic for the end of the night show. We got oh, yeah. truckers for all, all satellite over, yeah. radio. Well, I mean, my number one bit was where you at? What you hauling? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I just want to know two things: where you at? What you hauling? And the shit I found out they're hauling was fascinating. Yeah, we would get them to call in, and I even learned some lingo, and I'll catch you on the flip flop. No, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you can't say uh, 10 for good no, buddy anymore. That's no. changed. Oh, yeah? Well, that's not? where that's where uh, lot lizards, like your yeah, knowledge lot of lot lizards. lizards, 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 lizards. Yes. I, I had some guy say, I go, where are y'all what you hauling? He's like, I'm outside of Tulsa hauling uh, dispatcher brains. And I go, what, what does that mean? He goes, it's an empty cargo bed. Oh. Dispatcher brains. Get it? No brains. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or sailboat fuel, they'd call it. Is that I'm calling right? sailboat fuel. I used to do the because uh, they. And, uh, one of my favorite things was, hey, honk your horn because yeah. you know d- different trucks the air have different air different horn sounds. sounds. Yeah. So at any time I have a truck around, I said, would you, uh, uh, you know, give you know, pull the horn down, give Wait us a. Wait I did that. Mm. You stole my bit. That's what I do at the end of where you what you all and I'd be like, blow the horn. No, I did that you a long time ago. I, I didn't steal it from somebody. <laughs> you you, you timestamped that. <laughs> this is now a fight. Uh, and then the other thing was, um, you got a big one in there. That was that's where the, you got a big one in there came from because it was used as a drop. Uh. So I would say somebody would pull a horn, it would be wimpy. Mm-hmm. And that, so before I asked him to, to do give me an air blast, because I'd ask, well, you know, what side, what kind, you got, a, what you got, you got a reefer on, you know, the whole bit. What are you hauling? <laughs> right. But I didn't say where you. I didn't steal your where you at. I think I stole your bit. I think you may I have. unintentionally we stole. We may have to get the lawyers involved here, Harry. <laughs> anybody that's been in radio as long as you guys have been, everybody steals everybody's Yeah, bit. especially with truckers. Yeah. I mean, I used to listen, I used to do promos for the truck and bozo. Remember the guy? His name was the truck and bozo. No. He was in Cincinnati, all right? And he did a local show, but the station he was on could be heard like all over. It was one of those clear nighttime signals that can be picked up in multiple mm. states. Wow. You know, there's just radio stations on AM still like that. Like you 1210 was 1210 like that, right? in Philly can hear yeah. all the way down to Florida. So he would be the truck and bozo. He was a legend in the business. So I used to do his promos because he would follow me when I was on Fox or ESPN or one of those stations. Hey, stay tuned for the truck and bozo coming up. And this guy was huge. Yeah, and great. he would do all that stuff. So when I would hear the truck and bozo, I'd pick up some of his stuff. So it's not like you're stealing somebody's act. Yeah. You're just picking up things that you find funny and, and things that some people relate to. And that's where all the trucking lingo came. But we did find out, though, that back in the day when that, remember the song Convoy yeah. by C.W. Yeah. McCall? Oh, yeah. It's a lot the of the 70s. things he used in there are no longer mean what they did back in the, in oh, the 70s. Geez. Like, 10 for good buddy is no longer a, hey, thanks, uh, appreciate it. What does it mean? Now, now? it's like, you fuck want, off. You want to hook no. up in the lot. Oh, 10 for good buddy. Yeah. Oh, is that right? go bang in the back of the truck stop? Yeah, yes. Really? It's, Jeez. It's a. Yes. And I don't mean lot lizards. Yeah, it's not a oh, female lot. situation. Oh. Again, not that there's anything <laughs> wrong. No, no, okay. no, of course just, not. It no. means something different now, okay. for sure. You don't want to, <laughs> so if, if you lean still... one way, you don't want to make the mistake of saying that. Man, I so learned that's something a, that's today. That's a PSA for everyone so still. So if you still have that CB, CB radio in your car, <laughs> careful. if you're just a regular person and not a trucker, and you see truckers going by, and you want to get the, you know, you want to find out if there's any Smokies on right, the road. Yeah, any, any Don't say ten for a good buddy uh, unless you plan to pull over oh, at man. the next right. convenience stop. And pull something out. <laughs> Five minutes on the filthy Eagles. Since I'm up here in Eagle territory, what's the feeling? What's the vibe? You feel like this Tate acquisition is gonna put you guys back on track? Yeah, I think the, it, that's definitely a good a good pickup. I mean, weren't you saying Jimmy Johnson thought yes, it was I the, thought he was the best trade, but Jimmy Johnson also thought that the uh, 
that the Dallas Cowboys were going to win 15 Super Bowls since he left and is glad that they didn't so that people will remember him <laughs> yeah, as exactly. the last guy. Actually, Barry, Barry Switzer was the last guy to win I've after been, him, yeah, right? I've but been he saying, knows talent. Yeah, no. I've been saying it's, it's a pillow fight to nine wins in yep. this division, mm-hmm. probably between us and you guys. Yep. We have got to keep Peterson healthy because if he goes down, that's it. Smith is not what he was advertised. There's no doubt the Adrian Peterson signing by the Redskins was to me one of the great signings. He was there for anybody. Yeah, he was, he was on there the strap for anybody. And not only that, Tony, but basically Doug Williams had to go over Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen's head to give him a tryout because they didn't want it. He's like, well, let's just bring him in anyway. So he kind of went rogue. Hmm. Thank God he did. Be a world of hurt otherwise. So otherwise, I hear up here in Philly radio people saying this team's not as good as last year's team. That's the common thread I've heard all weekend long. They this weren't because team. of the offense. The, the offensive de- line is. Yeah, I mean, the defense has taken its hits because their corners have been giving up a lot of big plays. So people were down on Schwartz for a well, few games. And they're not turning teams over. That exactly. was a big thing. They're Last year, they turned turnovers. you over. So I, it's not the same team because it's hard when you win a Super Bowl. But, but that could all come together. It could. But, but what's happening now is the Eagles with their offensive line injuries, are if they're able to run the ball, they don't have the superstar back, but they're moving the chains, then Carson Wentz becomes better. He has more targets. And if he keeps moving the chains and finishes games like they did last year, which they weren't able to do when they blew a 17-point lead against Carolina, that's the key. If they can start getting leads and finishing teams off, I think they'll be fine at the end of the year. But it's going to be a competitive division, and Washington's start you know, makes it, that, makes it so. But here in Philadelphia, we always look at Washington as, ah, they're the Redskins. Like, we never give them any credit. No, They're 5-2, and two, and we don't believe in them. Well, we haven't been 5-2 and two since 2008. Is that's that right? Ten years, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It's been that long. Ten yeah, years. Yeah, we've we've wow. sucked. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> yeah, <that>. no. <laughs> we had that... one good year where we popped up with Kirk Cousins in 2015, stole the division, got Chip Kelly fired that night. That oh Cousins yeah, that's came right. up it was here a Saturday night game. Li- Saturday night game lit him up. I was there. Kelly was run out of town. Yep. And ever since then, it's been but mediocre. The bottom line is, it's with every team. It's the quarterback. You know, obviously, Kirk Cousins was a good quarterback, but he got into that situation where do you pay him a gazillion dollars? And then they pick up Alex Smith, who's a good quarterback, but is he long term? So the key is no. getting that quarterback that you know is going to be there. And Cousins was like Nick Foles. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Is he a backup? And Cousins kept playing well enough yep. to make the Redskins have to resign him and pay mm-hmm. him. The ridiculous annual salary, thank God. Good, I mean, right. good for franchise him. tag. Right. Franchise the red, tags. The Redskin game has begun, so we're going to shut it down. Let's and shut start, it down. And start eating. But crass, shameless promotion for you, Tony, and you, Miss Robin, for your ventures. What the Tony Bruno Show.com is the website and the podcast every Wednesday, live, 7 to 9, radio and TV. It's must-watch radio, so we got the components with all the good stuff. With You, know, you can see it on Facebook Live. Periscope, YouTube, Periscope. and Twitch. I think it's going to be on uh, RedTube soon, too. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Is that right? <laughs> for those, uh, the, those who... Well, then uh, I'll Harry be able to share. Sure <laughs> Harry and I share a password for Jeez. that. <laughs> and Harry's right. everywhere now, right? Harry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> ha- at Harry Mays TU on Twitter, and I'm doing a, a podcast with uh, Aton Shander each week, an uh, old buddy of mine, called Derailed. Derailed. Yeah. And Harry's nice. going to come on again. I mean, the, the show that Harry and Tony did just recently together... Just went through the roof. So that was beginning nice. of October. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good boys. Anytime you're in DC, I'm I'll, coming down there. Come on down. I'll, next time I'm down marching for something that I need to march for, <laughs> I'll make sure I stop by and say bring hi. your pussy hat. I have it. I have it always in my car. It's in my glove compartment. <laughs> Let's end on this today. High school varsity barbecue teams. Yeah, it's now a thing. 
in Texas. What the hell did you just say? Yeah, high school varsity barbecue teams. Of course, only in Texas. Last year at Ennis High School, a group of students who loves their brisket and ribs got together and said, why don't we make a team? The school created its very first competitive barbecue team and traveled to cook-offs involving other schools across the state. Only a handful of schools in North Texas do have barbecue teams, but the idea is, shockingly, gaining popularity. Horticulture teacher Tommy Copeland helped start his team at Ennis High School after discovering an annual state tournament in Burnett where over 100 schools compete. Said uh, Mr. Copeland, when, when I tell people about it, they're in disbelief at first. Then they say, wow, I wish that was around when I was in school. I would have been on that team. At Ennis High, the barbecue team is like a Texas hybrid of metal shop and home ec. The students fabricate and weld their own cooker and then use it to compete. Well, that's kind of cool, actually. Copeland and other vocational teachers then assist the students in learning how to be pit masters. Uh, teachers or instructors are not allowed to help students during cook-offs, and they are judged on the best beef brisket, pork ribs, half chicken, best beans, dessert, best pit, most school spirit, and, of course, best T-shirt. I just wondered, do they have logoed team overalls? Because that would be kind of badass, right? Do they have custom tongs that they pull out of a special case? Do they have signature plays on the grill? <laughs> I'm on the high school barbecue team. Do you get a Letterman's jacket? If you get a Letterman's jacket for being on the high school barbecue team, do you get like a a, a big chicken wing for every year that you're on the team? So you get the four wings if you were a four-year varsity barbecue team Letterman? I would hope the answer is yes. Thanks for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell three friends if you can. Podcasts, of course, are the future. Email me with topics and suggestions at zabe at yahoo.com. Now go slow roast some brisket and tell your kid, you know, I finished fourth in the state finals in high school. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>